This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Green Thumbs in Canterbury, out and about with the Canterbury Horticultural Society. from Canterbury Horticultural Society out and about in Christchurch. And we're 160 years old this year, Lorraine. Wow. <laughs> that makes me feel old, Ray. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> the press is 160 years old oh. and the Canterbury Horticultural Society is 160 years. Goodness, that's this, a long time, isn't it? Well, yes, for one yes. society to keep yes. going for that long. And yeah. it's gone through lots Bits of different changes, um, changes yeah. yes. And so, um, but it's still going, isn't it? It's and still it's going. evolving mm. and, and, and it's... Adapting to the different times. So. That's right, and it's sort mm. of regenerating a bit now with mm. some more young people being interested in gardening. Mm. And, um, mm. you mm. know, um, the lockdown gave us a promise that people were getting a bit more resilient for growing a few more of their own vegetables. Mm. But what we're finding, um, and you've probably noticed too, is the big interest is in indoor plants. Oh, totally, yes. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just yeah. flocking to the classes. It's amazing. Oh, okay. And, yeah. lo- and they're selling lots in the shops. As well, aren't they? Oh, yeah. they are, and yeah. they're not—they're not cheap. So no. um, the propagation classes get full oh, all the time. Right. And the biggest surprise for me, <laughs> and I guess it will be for you, is that the macrame are the most popular <laughs> courses. The Lord, remember in the wow. happy happy seventies, we were making macrame. We oh. had macrame bracelets and everything. Didn't yeah, we? yeah. I made a lot of macrame in my time too, but yeah, that's thirty odd years ago. Yeah. So it does come back, doesn't it? It, it does, and of course now. Nowadays they use so much more natural mm. stuff and natural mm. dyes, and yes. so there's some really quite lovely stuff around. Really mm. good, cool. Anyway, cool. That's mm. the, you know seventies. That's fifty years ago, forty <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so it just shows you, 160 years just flies by, really. Well, yes, yeah. yeah. That's right. But it's really good to know that you know the horticultural society is adapting to the changes and yeah, yeah. with everything that's happening, you know, as you said, you know, the young ones are coming back and and I think with COVID, you know, a lot of people got back into the garden and it yeah. saved some people's sanity actually. I yes, think mine, yeah. I think too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Well, it's still so warm. It is really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we say we're we... a bit cold, but but really, here we are in June and we're having a sixteen degree. Today mm. and it's only you know, it's, it's we're not getting down below ten very often and by now in winter we're getting down much cooler than this normally. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. of course. We were moaning last month. <laughs> we know water. We've had a bit much. We've had an oversupply. Oh, yes, the poor people down yes, in Ashburton and Canterbury, yeah. down that area, yes. Yes. They oh, had well, far too much. Um, far too much. Yeah. Oh, and, of course, it's far too much. It just runs off. It doesn't actually sink in either. So. No, no, no. Never mind. No. So into winter, there are still jobs to be done in the garden. There is always jobs in the garden, isn't there? But you have to pick a fine day, I think, don't oh, you? Oh, oh absolutely. And no good going out, out when it's horrible. The, when it's that's right, yeah. yeah. I, I don't venture out when it's like that. <laughs> no, well, they did say that, you know, wintertime's the time to get a good book, i.e. a gardening catalogue, <laughs> and a cup of coffee and sit by the fire and dream of spring. <laughs> oh, if only I had a fire to sit by, that'd be nice. <laughs> I know. Anyway. But, yeah. but anyway, yeah. we're coming up to, we should be pruning our fruit trees now. Yeah. 
Um, and really, be, it's a good idea. We've been advised that it's a good idea to do your spraying before you prune. Right. Um, people to just just think about it on those leaves and those branches that you're going to be cutting off. They're still harvesting or hosting, I should mm. say, overwintering insects and yeah. diseases. So when you cut them off and they drop on the ground, mm. those little insects and eggs and all just fall off. So if you spray them first and then cut them about a fortnight later, then you're probably much safer for um, anything overwintering. Right. Yeah, so right. Um, I'm trying and, to convince and... my husband of this too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, but, and um, to get rid of those leaves so yeah. they they're not going to be spreading again, that's, or if you need to survive, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. clean them yeah. all up. Yeah, and of course pick up any of the old fruit that's dropped around because right. you know that definitely has got all those nasty all the, little things in there. That, all the little bugs that mm, want to survive over winter. That's exactly right. Yeah. Roses too, you know, yeah. and I think that we should leave roses for another month. Right? Don't you? I mean, they're growing now, so they're. Um, yeah, they, they, if we prune them now, and we, the, get, and we some get some heavy, heavy frost, frost later, and yeah. that won't be too good for the, no, the new growth. But oh, well, right. with the the bits that are that's being cut exactly off. right. So yeah. you all should yeah. always prune on nice, funny, sunny, fine days. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good chat yesterday or the day before with Matt Morris. Right. Um, Matt has written a book called Common Ground, Garden mm. Stories of Aotearoa, and he's collected oral histories of a lot of people throughout New Zealand mm. on their memories of ordinary, quite humble gardens. Mm. So um, mm. it'll be interesting to listen to him. Yes, at our All About Gardening in, in July. Mm. It took him 10 years to write it. Yes, it did. Mm. A, a lot of time, yeah. Today I'm talking to Matt Morris. Matt's just written a book, or he wrote a book, I guess over the last few years, called Common Ground, Gardens, Histories of Aotearoa. Um, And Matt Matt himself is quite an interesting character and had lots to do with gardens. So Matt, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay, well, I grew up in St Martin's here in Christchurch and uh, in in an fairly ordinary suburban garden and I studied at UC. Um, I actually completed a PhD in in garden history um, some years ago, it finished in 2006, and that was a study of of gardening in Christchurch. It's really an environmental and social history but you know but focused through uh, through gardens and um, before that I worked for an organisation called the Organic Garden City Trust which is how I got really fascinated by gardens and the, the power of gardens to um, yeah, change the way that we see the world and interact with one another. And then I went and did the PhD and then after that um, various other things. I was a, a community board member at one point and, um, and uh, anyway once I finished the, the PhD, I started writing it up as a book. So that took well over 10 years, actually. <laughs> so it's really nice that it's, that it's happened that. now. The book's out. And, um, yeah, now we can talk about it. Yeah, oh, that's fascinating because um, the Horticultural Society is 160 years old this year. So, you know, um, to have thought of you looking at the history of gardens in Christchurch, there must be quite a bit from um, people who belong to the Horticultural Society, maybe. Yeah, definitely. The Horticultural Society plays a really huge part in the PhD. 
um, and a lot of that has carried over into the into the book. The book is about the whole of New Zealand, and the PhD was was just Christchurch. But you know, the the CHS here has been a, a huge um, a huge driver of of trends and also a a great support to the the gardeners of Christchurch. So, um, and one thing that really interests me about the history of the CHS is how much it's changed over time. Mm. And, you know, the, the ability that it's had to just keep reinventing itself to remain relevant um, and, you know, and, and kind of picking up on the, you know, the, the zeitgeist of the time as it changes. So, yeah, really, really interesting. And um, in, my, in my work, I particularly was, um, I suppose, noting the, the horticultural society in the late 19th century and then in the, in the 20s and especially mm-hmm. the 30s that huge blossoming of, of interest in, um, in gardening of all kinds. And, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, a lot of our garden clubs are came, coming to be 80 years old now and things, oh. so it's, you know, they're, they're going along there. Well, the, the actual scope of the work, the scope of the book, what you said it's Aotearoa, so. Mm. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's. And, you know, it's not a, I suppose I couldn't say that it's a comprehensive history of every kind of gardening throughout the ages in this country, in every part of this country, but tries to give an impression of the importance of gardening to ordinary people in Aotearoa. And it starts in around about 1300. It's uh, a long time ago. <laughs> it's a really so, long time ago. So is that sort of the early Maori settlers? Yes, so it starts with the beginning of, of gardening here. And um, it, it's not really for me to, to tell that story, but, um, but I do start there because I think it's really important to, that we don't forget that there was hundreds and hundreds of years of very excellent gardening happening here before... Um, before the country was colonised by by Britain, and um, who brought their own gardening, you know, trends and, and ways of doing things and, and whatnot. So it starts then uh, and and carries through until last year. <laughs> so fairly <laughs> big, wide scope. <laughs> fairly wide scope. Yeah. And um, but what I, there are already some histories of of New Zealand gardening, and I want what I wanted to do was was look at ordinary gardens, not the gardens of the rich and famous, um, not the gardens of people who had been able to employ landscape designers and, and you know, pack a lot of money into it, but just what to learn a bit more about the ordinary gardeners, because essentially I'm a social historian, historian. I like social history. And, and I think gardens can tell us a lot about mm. all aspects of our lives. Mm. So, I, and to do that is quite difficult because the materials that end up in archives are often of the sort of rich and famous, mm. you know, and uh, not exclusively. There's lots of other um, materials that do get into archives, but largely it's those, you know, the, the landed gentry and so on, um, whose story has already been told well, and there's always more to tell. And I do have some of that in my book, but... Um, I, I also, it made me think, oh, how do we get to that? How do we get to that other history? So I started on a process of, of oral histories, collecting stories of elderly people and learning about the gardens of their childhoods in mm. the 20s and 30s and, and 40s. Um, 
and then I continued that was for my PhD and then I continued that through with with the book and um, and it's was the best part of the process really just learning all these very intimate stories about um, you know how people lived and what their priorities were how much money they had to spend on certain things or not mm-hmm. um, yeah and we were talking just a little bit before the the interview about seeds and seed exchanges and where plants were coming from and so on and I was really interested in the um, that amazing informal network of plant exchange and swapping that goes on within neighbourhoods. Oh my goodness, we found gardeners are the greatest, um, you know, swappers and, and um, pinches of things from various <laughs> gardens and roadsides as well, aren't they? Absolutely. I think I think generosity is one of the um, sort of hallmarks of a of a gardener, okay. mm-hmm. and yeah. and so I I love that. I love learning more about that and. Mm. Um, and so, you know, but there's a lot, there's a lot that can be said about that, which is all in the book. Yes. Well, I'm just wondering how on earth you managed to find the people to ask the stories of. Um, yeah, good question. I, I, everyone has a story, mm. yeah. so it's more of more of a who, who don't you ask? You know, we all have a story, yeah. and um, and so, I mean, I did collect a lot of stories, but this is the thing. There's an infinite number of stories that could have been collected. Mm. So to begin with, when I was doing the PhD, um, I had an ad in the newspaper and said I was looking for stories from people who would remember gardens from these periods and these particular parts of the city. Mm. And yeah, then I kind of just continued that. Really, it was bumping into people who seemed like, oh, you know, or being introduced as Mm. well. Oh, you must talk to this person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, I mean, the scope of it, when you think of the whole country, there's just so many pockets of, of people you know, be gardening in all sorts of places, with all sorts of different soil and everything. Yes, that's absolutely right. And um, but they have a lot in common with one another. <laughs> so, you know, and I, one of the one of the stories that I have can tried to continue through the book, and it's a little bit different from some of the other um, garden histories is that story of Māori gardening continuing mm. through, you know, often it kind of finishes around 1840 and then it's all about British gardening. But of course, you know, Māori people can have continued to garden and often using um, similar or the same traditional techniques and, um, and, and ways that they have been taught just handed down. And, um, and so, yeah, so I've managed to find a little bit of these stories through the 20th century and and there's been such a renaissance in Marae gardening and so on in the um, towards the end of the 20th century and in the beginning of this and that's a really a really lovely part of the book too. Mm. And are they in Christchurch? Um, is there the Marae, you know like Marae gardens and that, is there many of them in Christchurch? There are there are Marae gardens in Christchurch. Um, in the book they're mostly the ones that I talk about the ones that I talk about are mostly in the North Island. Oh, okay. yeah. yes. But that's just partly to do with who I was talking to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, the bigger population of Maori people in the North Island as well, I guess, makes it quite sensible in some ways. Mm. I remember my own growing up in a garden. I mean, my parents just had the most flourishing flower garden. My mother was a great orchid grower, and um, it was everything from gladiolos to violets. I mean she was mad keen and of course we always had a huge veggie garden and you must have found a lot of people with memories with you no know, really great vegetable gardens. 
I did. It's yeah. just so inspiring, you know, mm-hmm. to hear about these, um, you know, quite large backyard and that's the other thing you know people having large sections mm. compared to now yeah. um, and the amount of time people must have spent in their gardens maintaining often quite immaculate you know rows of of veggies out the back and then you know very beautiful um, more formal flower gardens and, and and lawn in the front and it's just it's just so inspiring it's amazing I still wonder you know how did how did people do that it's probably a silly sounds like a silly question but no Matt, there were no cafes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was nothing else to do no but garden. Exactly yes, and no TVs, <laughs> and on Sunday was a day of rest and things like that. Yeah. Um, I did remember a, a couple of stories of people remembering their parents, um, and particularly their dads, coming home from work and then going out into mm. the garden afterwards and mm. working away, even through the winter with head torches and that kind of thing. You know, just nice. because. You had to, you know, yeah, if yes. you don't have grow the food, then mm. it's going to mm. be, you know, not as great eating. <laughs> so, And of course, people used to eat at five o'clock. I mean, I don't know how many women have said to me it was five o'clock on the table, 5.30 on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I'm going to use that. <laughs> and I think that's why, you know, they had their dinner over and done with it. No television very much. No. Straight out into the garden. Yeah. So... Mm. What a beautiful way to live. Yeah. And, um, simple way, much more simple than now. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it's coming back to that a bit though, isn't it? Uh, isn't, you know, like with COVID and with um, like the earthquakes from Christchurch, in mm. Christchurch and other places, um, that, you know, things are going back to gardening. I think people are getting more interested in well, doing it, aren't they? Are on, they? On a much smaller scale, I oh, think. of course, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that... I think you're onto something. Um, certainly in Christchurch, we've seen uh, with the earthquakes a real focus on this idea of food resilience mm-hmm. and, and gardening for community resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that since 2010, there's just been an enormous rise in community gardening around the country. Uh, about 60% of the community gardens that exist have started up since 2010 so which is amazing really Mm. and um, and just prior to that of course was the global financial crisis Mm. which really what really did stimulate a lot of people not just community gardeners but home gardeners as well to get back into growing food Mm. Um, and I mean I don't know if you remember but fruit tree nurseries were selling out Mm. at that time because Mm. that's right really quite unusual Um, Mm. so yeah, and then with COVID again, there's been a, a um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. I think we have seen, it, it was quite difficult for community gardeners mm. to keep going because mm. community gardens mm. were part, classed as parks and you weren't meant to congregate mm. in those sorts of spaces. So it was quite difficult during the autumn time. Um, and at the same time, having people being at home so much and having so much of that time and not much else to do, yeah. no cafes to go to, blah, 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 yeah. still TV. But, um, you know, uh, but I know that a, a lot of people did actually turn to the garden mm. as a something to do um, in that time. Do you think there's another whole book in this? <laughs> there are so many, there's so much to say about yeah about gardens mm. I it's funny you should say that because <laughs> um, I did have a you know this kind of side theme running through the book about community gardens and 
and I think there's a lot more to say about that. So I am toying with and have done some early work on on a history of community gardening in New Zealand, which easily stretches into the 19th century. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very, very interesting. So. Oh, well, there's plenty, plenty for you to do, and I'm really looking forward to when you come here to um, the Horticultural Society and speak next month, Matt. Mm. should be very interesting, and I'm sure that be... Oh, People will be really fascinated. So thank you for coming along today and talking to us. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here and I'm looking forward to being uh, here to speak with the CHS members as well. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks and, so much. Oh, and, we could, and we can buy your book from um, the oh, yes. different places? Yes, the book is, um, is on sale in most bookshops. Um, certainly Scorpio Books have it and will be coming along on the night with, with some copies to, to sell as well if people want to pick one up. Cool. Fantastic. Thanks, Nat. Thank you very much. Thank awesome. you. Ray, well, what are you doing in your garden at the moment? Are, are you you're putting your, your garlic in? Well, it's every year the same question comes up, Ray, have you put your garlic in? Because <laughs> everybody knows I plant buckets of garlic because I mm. love homegrown garlic. Mm. Um, I heard quite a few years ago that if you plant the garlic in August, mm. you get nicer corms. Mm. So we tried that. We've tried that now for the last four years, and we've got a really good um, crop, right. and I've sort of reason that we're planting them now. Yeah, normally it's quite cold, and yes. the ground's getting hard, and it's yeah. a bit wet. And yeah. those little bulbs, and the only literal bulbs, <laughs> corms, what you call them, um, yeah. yeah, spend all that time all wet and cold. Mm. And mm. if you plant them in August, the soil is starting to warm up a bit, right? You know, and there's spring in the air, and the corms think, oh, time to grow, and but they tend to sprout really quickly, mm. and we very rarely get a miss. Right. We plant about 70 corms every year, yeah. and normally we would harvest about 68. So we don't get wow. very very bad. Um, oh. We get a very good strike. I'll give that definitely give that a try well, this year. Yeah, all yeah. I can do is say yeah. that's my personal experience. Right, well, it's <laughs> worth giving it a try. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how yeah. are your indoor plants going? I've only got a couple. Um, I used to have a lot when I, you know, years ago, but I've only got a couple. Um, mm. I'd, I'd just try not to water them too much and feel the soil and if it's pretty dry I'll give them some water. Mm, well, yeah. Of course it's a really growing trend isn't it, the um, is indoor a... plants. Mm, so um, yeah well I'm pretty careful with mine. Um, I've the, the tropical ones, you know oh, the okay. bird's nest ferns and peace lilies and those sort of ones, I carefully water every week right. even in winter because my house is centrally heated so right. it's always warm and they dry out really quickly right. um, but the ones that Sansevieria the mother-in-law's tongue and the succulents I keep just a careful eye on those and every now and then give them a little bit of water to encourage them maybe to grow <laughs> but yeah so yeah. um yeah. So the indoor plants, mine are flourishing, so I'm really happy with them at the moment oh that's good, yeah. that's good Yeah. Um, yeah. how are the leaves in your garden? Um, I need to get out and clear off the leaves. I have done some, although sometimes it's good to, I think they protect the soil a bit. Mm, they do, um, yeah. You know, from frosts and things. So. Yeah, oh, we use ours as for mulch, yeah. Right, because right. Because they do, because they rot down over the, over over the, the winter. Over the winter, they do. Yeah, yeah. 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 so... It's, yeah. Well, that's it's, right. You can pick them up and put them in the green bin or the compost. Mm. That's fine. Mm. But sometimes it's quite nice, especially if you've got one of those sucker, blower, sucker things. Oh, yes. Whatever you call them, those noisy, horrible things. Um, they mulch them up and make really lovely, oh. fine um, mulch. So we use our, our leaves for that usually. Right. 
but you know, normally East, normally Queen's birthday weekend, I get out and cut back all my perennials and everything. Right. But it was so miserable. <laughs> I did, just didn't feel like getting out last no, weekend. No, it was too wet, wasn't it? Yeah. Too wet and miserable. And the soil yeah. is too wet to be tramping on anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. then you compact it and all the, the good things in the soil get squashed. Mm. And um, Right. You know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just so damp. I've got... I've got um, Silver beet and and spinach to plant out. Oh, okay. But I'm just so soggy. <laughs> I still feel the poor little things will sort of suffocate. Really, they might, yeah. 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 I'll just say, of uh, the parsley is is the is the herb of the month. Well, the herb That's of the right. year actually. It's, it is. Yes. And I just think it's an amazing herb. I use it every day in something, either yeah. soups or or in an omelet or. Oh, you yes, know, scrambled eggs. Garlic butter, all sorts of all things. All sorts of things. Yeah. And you can just make a parsley salad. If oh, you've got okay. the, the oh, pars- right. Especially Italian parsley. Right. Yeah, you can cut, if you get the nice tender leaves, you can add that into the salad. And it's full of all sorts of nutrients. Oh, so it is, definitely. Because with... lettuce is not the most nutrient-rich no, <laughs> vegetable around. No, it's just full around. of water, isn't it, it, really? So if and you add some parsley. Yeah. yeah, and it grows all year round. So we're very lucky I've got a good crop of parsley, yeah. and I'm really pleased. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is yeah. a go-to, isn't it? Oh, it definitely yeah. is, definitely is. So what's mm. happening at All About Gardening? Next month, uh, the, in July, we're having Matt Morris, who's talking about his um, his his book, The Common Ground, Garden Histories of Aotearoa. And it took him 10 years to research yeah. it and, and do it, and it'll be very interesting. So, I think so too, yes, yes. And you'll have some of the books there. That's right. It's all about gardening to... Um, yeah, just for people to buy and yes. he's happy to sign them for people too. Yes, which so, is an added mm, bonus, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. 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 So anyway, um, here we are once again <laughs> at the end of another month. I know. Or the beginning of another uh, season, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, any questions, any comments, um, you can phone in to Plains FM and 365 7997 or send an email to info at nz. And I'll see you again next month. Definitely.